I am continuing with the rules. So rule three is duty the um, duty to clients, and uh, it's mainly discussing about the paralegal client relationship and uh, things that come up is competence, quality of service, advising clients, confidentiality, conflicts of interest, doing business with a client, client property, and withdrawal from representation. So rule four is advocacy, and uh, it, uh, there's a series of rules that paralegals, uh, it, like, you know, it gives the paralegals a sort of, like, a set of rules to how the paralegals should conduct themselves and when they're acting as an advocate, and it includes the paralegals' duties to the tribunal. To the tribunal. Um, the agreement on guilty pleas, interviewing witnesses, communicating with witnesses, giving testi testimony, and dealing with unrepresented persons. Rule 5 uh, is mainly about fees and retainers. Basically, uh, there you can find, uh, if you have any questions about, you know, outline fee billing issues and rules on contingency fees, fee splitting, and referral fees. Okay, let's see. Rule six is duty to the administration of justice. Um, so it sets out the paralegals' obligations to the justice system, mainly encouraging the paralegals to respect uh, the justice system and uh, paralegals' obligation when making public appearances or statements, and the duty to prevent unauthorized practice and the obligations of a paralegal whose license to provide legal service has been suspended. Rule 7 is duty to licensees and others. Here we can find uh, paralegals. Uh, it deals with the paralegal's duty of courtesy and good faith um, and discusses how paralegals must treat other lawyers, paralegals, and any other individuals that they may come across while dealing while providing legal services. Rule eight is practice management. Here we can find how paralegals can manage their practice. Uh, you know, it just gives them a sort of tip and guide on what to do. Um, and it gives like it gives the requirements for paralegal firm names and advertising, um, as well as professional liability insurance. So if somebody's like, I think if somebody's like starting out on their own as a new like paralegal in the field and they just open their practice um they could look up uh rule eight and just like to cover their bases try to like you know um f you know figure out what rules they need to follow on practice management so that they can have a clear idea and like that they're running their uh practice efficiently and they're following the rules um what else uh, rule nine. This is a chunk, chunky one. It's the responsibility to the law society. Uh, so basically, this is discusses the paralegal's obligations to respond to the law society and to report misconduct and certain offenses, as well as 
uh, a law society's disciplinary authority. So if the paralegal comes across any sort of misconduct or a certain offense, then um, they do have to report to a law society and they also have to respond to a law society. So if the law society is requesting them or trying to reach out to them or by way of communication, they do sort of have to respond to a law society. So the guidelines have been created to assist paralegals with the interpretation and application of the paralegal rules. So if you're like, for example, if I'm reading the paralegal rules and like I have a question and I don't know, like I don't know like what what it means or if I'm trying to inquire about a certain rule and I'm not too sure about this rule, then I could look to guidelines to sort of give me a better idea of what the rules are talking about. So I, we have to keep in mind that neither the paralegal rules nor the guidelines can cover every situation. Um, there are circumstances where we have to use common sense and we have to keep in mind that like common sense, not just common sense to you, but common sense in a manner that is con- um, consistent with the public interest. Right. So you have to like we have to keep in mind that like public interest is also included in this and the integrity of the profession. Like, you know, how is this going to look on my profession, on myself, on like, how is this going to affect the public? That sort of stuff. So there's times that a paralegal's uh, personal sense of what is right may conflict with what is outlined in the paralegal rules and guidelines. So if 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 you're reading the rules and the guidelines and you're like, hell nah, I'm not doing this. This doesn't seem right, you know, and you we ask, unfortunately, we still have to comp, com, comply with the rules and the guidelines, whether or not we agree with them. Um, you know, we can't just like follow our, our own rules and our like when we're dealing in the profession, you know, we can't just like follow our own rules and be like, okay, this is what I think. Therefore, to heck with the rules. No, we sort of have to still comply. And uh, and it says here, when faced with an ethical problem or question, uh, the the law society recommends that we take the following steps. So we have to identify, like, if we're looking at a situation then we and, and we're trying to figure out what rules apply, then we sort of have to figure out what the ethical issues are, right? So that's the first question we ask. What ethical issues am I looking at? Um, and then it says, consider any governing law. So we have to, like, look at laws that may, gov- that may be relevant to the problem. And then also look at the applicable provision in the, also like look at the paralegal rules, the guidelines or the bylaws, right? Look at all of them. And then it says also apply the rule to the situation to determine the paralegal's responsibility and whether the rule is mandatory, right? So it, is the rule mandatory? Like, is it a must? So if it's mandatory, they will use language like shall. Like, i.e., you shall do something. And then, or permissive language, like they say, i.e., you may do something, right? And also, it says consider how to balance any competing duties. Uh, okay. Future note to myself. 
I probably gonna look at like rules and gu- guidelines and like come come up with some ethical scenarios and s- try to see if I can apply these uh, if I can apply this to them because somebody did tell me that basically you know there's gonna be some um, ethics questions in the paralegal exam and yeah I think just reading like just reading is not is not gonna help I'm probably gonna have to do like some you know um like look at some scenarios i don't know where i'm gonna get those but i think i'm gonna have to figure some way um and then after following the steps that i mentioned if like if like for example if you're like if you're still uncertain or if i'm still uncertain on how to proceed then it tells us that to check the law society website because that's also a resource right because that they have like a bunch of stuff listed on the law society's website where you can any questions that have that's like a great tool to have or it's like consult with a more senior paralegal or lawyer like somebody that's like senior like somebody that has more experience in the field and they've actually done like real life cases and they've faced ethical dilemmas and they had to like apply knowledge and the rules and if you're still not sure it says you can contact the law society's practice management helpline for guidance right so you can just speak to a person you can speak to uh somebody and they'll help you out um and then it also says keep a detailed written record of what steps you considered and took and why okay so basically, the paralegal rules and guidelines were created to ensure a high standard of conduct. So basically, this is holding the paralegals accountable. That way, you know, um, you know, it's like they're conducting themselves to the highest level, you know, um, and, it, you know, and this to benefit the public, right? So that like we're not having chaos and paralegals are not just doing whatever they think they should do based on their what they were taught. Like, you know, their own, like, you know, they're not just following their own rules. And, and then, you know, we have chaos because then every paralegal is following their own rules. They made these rules and guidelines so that everybody can sort of follow them. And then that we're all on the same page and we're all being hold, like, these rules and guidelines are all holding us accountable. That way, you know, it benefits the public and we're providing the excellent services that we need to. It says failure to comply with the paralegal rules and the guidelines may prejudice prejudice a client's right. Yeah, so yeah, it is. It could, yeah, so failure to basically comply can, you know, it's like cause a client's right to be in jeopardy, discredit the profession. Uh, profession. Yeah, basically, so, you know, it doesn't give us any, uh, what do I say? How, what's the word? Um yeah like discredit the profession it's like no one's gonna believe in the profession like it doesn't have any credits like whatever these paralegals you know these paralegals don't know what the hell they're doing kind of and result in a discipline by the law society so this is also a thing that um we have to look at it's like you know you don't want to end up getting disciplined by the law society or having some sort of your practice being in jeopardy or having some sort of like you know ongoing um discipline or and i think that stays in your file too right i don't know 
I don't know what like what that what consequences can you face from that. I I have to do more research. You know, I think doing this is actually helping me to like ask more questions. So this is good. So next is a competence and professional development. Oh, okay. It says that the law society has developed various initiatives to assist paralegals and lawyers to maintain the confidence so that they can serve the public, to require to serve the public. Well, that's good. You know, so the paralegals, we're not on our own. We have the law society helping us to basically, you know, keep, uh, stay in the game and keep up our competence and stay on top of things. Um, There's something called CPD programs and materials. They provide paralegals and lawyers with information on the law and practice management and techniques. Uh, so, yeah, they are offered in various... Uh, here... Yeah, they are offered in various uh, formats. And uh, it says here that the practice management helpline, uh, a, a, conf a confidential telephone service can assist paralegals and lawyers uh, with properly applying law society rules and bylaws and offers practice management guidance. So that's like a good tool to have in the back of our pocket, you know. Um, if we're unsure of something, we can always contact this uh, practice management helpline um, and basically they will help. It's a confidential telephone service too. keep in mind. So your business is not all over the place, you know, is <laughs> I let I love my privacy. I want my shit to stay confidential, you know, and basically they help you with uh, applying properly applying the rules. So if you're not sure of the rules and what you're not completely sure and you know, just to be on the safe side, or you're not sure of the bylaws and what they're implying, or you, or you don't, you're not sure on like your practice management guide, like um, practice management, what to do in your own course of practice. Yeah, they can sort of help you out with that, which is good. You know, so you're not like alone and completely in the dark. Uh, the coach and advisor network. Okay, so there's also the coach and advisor network. Yay, another tool. It provides for legals and lawyers with access to shorter-term outcome-oriented relationship with coaches and advisors who are drawn from the legal professions. Okay, that's good. So basically... Yeah, this is a, another tool which provides paralegals and lawyers. So this is like short-term mentoring, I think. Um, relationships with coaches and advisors. So these people are drawn from the legal profession, so they do have experience. They have gone through these things, you know, they're, you know, so they are experienced, so that helps. And these coaches support the implementation of best practice and advise, advisors assist with substantive um, and procedural law inquiries on client files. Uh, okay. So they, so they give you like the best sort of uh, practice, I guess. And, you know, they give you like support on like how to apply laws and you can ask them questions about your client files. So basically, uh, the, so the Law Society, uh, the Law Society's Practice Audits Department 
they do a spot audit so this basically monitors the paralegals and lawyers to ensure that like they're competent they're up to speed they're doing things though correctly and everything's all right um so they so they do spot audit they do practice management review uh i'm losing track uh so, so okay practice management review and practice audit pro programs um all so these all th these all of these three things monitor competence spot audits are conducted on lawyer firms and assist the firm's compliance so basically spot audits what they do is that they assess the firm's compliance with the financial mm -hmm. Uh, record keeping requirements so make sure they make sure that you know you know um everything's good and like in terms of financial record keeping uh audits so they the auditors also they can provide guidance on the best practices for organizing and maintaining required records Oof, i don't know what okay i don't know practice management uh, practice management reviews assess lawyers practice manager practice management reviews assess lawyers practice management processes including file management professional management and financial management okay so that also that's what they do. Practice audits assess paralegals practice management processes as well as their compliance with the financial record uh, keeping requirements. Yeah, so that's basically it in a nutshell. What page am I on? Page three, okay. Uh, next is complaints. <laughs> wow. Investigations, discipline, and appeals. So if you have a complaint about a paralegal or lawyer, you have to send this complaint to the Law Society in writing. Uh, it's first reviewed by the Complaints and Compliance Department to ensure that the issues outlined are within the Law Society's jurisdiction. You know, like they have to, they have to ensure that they can actually take care of it, you know. Um, if a complaint deals with an issue that can be resolved in, resolved informally, then what they do is that the intake and resolution department will deal with the complaint. Serious allegations of professional misconduct inc or incompetence that are likely to result in discipline against the paralegal or lawyer are referred to investigation services for investigation right so if it's a serious thing like i wish they'll you know that you know unfortunately may result to the paralegal getting disciplined you fucked up bro <laughs> yeah so it's like you're that's when it's they take it to investigation services for investigation and what they do is that they may close the matter without remedial action or they may recommend that the paralegal or royal or lawyer may be referred to the proceedings 
authorization community. This is PAC for short, and uh, they they are made of benchers who may take remedial action or authorize a hearing before a hearing panel, which is similar but less formal than a court proceeding. So that's what happens if you are getting investigated. You fucked up. <laughs> Just get it. The hearing panel may discipline paralegals or lawyers by suspending or revoke, revoking their license right? So the hearing panel can decide on a number of things, right? They could decide to suspend or revoke the paralegal's rights, or they could do they could do other things like participate, to, you know, tell the paralegal, you know, to participate in CPD or professional training, you know, so that they can level up, you know, so they don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> Restrict their practice to certain areas. I guess this prevents, uh, like, if they they fucked up in a POA, like in provincial offenses, then maybe they can't, like, they maybe they're like, oh, don't, pra- don't do POA again, ever. You're now restricted to landlord and tenant matters and so on and so on. Uh, provide legal services or practice law only under yeah so basically also they may be telling ordering them to practice law under the supervision of another paralegal or another lawyer so basically your ass is gonna get a babysitter (laughs) which is not good but yeah uh i can also order them to cooperate in a practice review uh not maintain a trust account refund a client all or por- all or a portion of their fees or get your asses gonna go to counseling or treatment you gotta get better <laughs> yeah i try to keep it like uh okay so what can paralegals and lawyers do when this shit happens it says here that they may appeal any decision of the hearing panel to an appeal panel and may appeal the decision of an appeal pa- so basically if they're not satisfied they're like okay i you know i'm not satisfied with, with your decision they can now go to the appeal paddle you know and then if they're still not satisfied with the appeal panel They can appeal the decision of an appeal panel and take it to divisional court. Okay, so it's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to, that's like, I'm going to the divisional court. <laughs> so hearing panels are also involved in good character hearings for paralegal. So yeah, so basically they do good character healings, uh, hearings where they, they their character comes into question, I guess. So basically... If you get a complaint, you know, if the law society, uh, if somebody complains about you to the law society and the law society receives a complaint, you're going to get a notification and you're going to get an opportunity to respond and you have to respond. You can't just be like, oh, whatever is going to go away. No, it's not going to go away. You have to respond, right? And if you fail to respond to any communication from the law society, this is a breach of the rules, right? So you can't just say, ah, you know what? It's going to go away. This is not serious. Fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to respond, but I'm, I'm just going to take my sweet ass time. No, honey, you got to respond because if you don't that means you're breaking it's a it's a breach and you're my eyeballs hurt sorry ah so it says that it's a breach 
and of the rules, a serious business is a breach of the paralegal rules and is also grounds for discipline. Your ass could be get your ass could be in further discipline. You're already in shit. Now you can get in more shit if you don't respond. Now there's two strikes. And it says paralegals should communicate and cooperate cooperate fully with any representative of the law society. So you have to commun- you have to cooperate and communicate, right? Stay on top of that. It says to any um, representative of the law society who con- who contacts them regarding a complaint, so that the issue can be resolved as quickly as possible. They don't want this. They don't want a delay. They have other things to take care of. So you gotta respond quickly and efficiently and. As soon as possible. Don't put it at the back burner. Don't be like, oh, I got a bunch of stuff to do. I'm going to respond maybe a month from now. No, you got to respond quickly. It says most complaints are resolved without a formal discipline hearing. And if the paralegal is disciplined, the hearing panel's decision will become part of the uh, paralegal's record with the law society and will be made public. Yeah, I think that's all I'm going to cover for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I kind of love doing this now, you know? It's actually a, it's actually making me think, not just read and read and read like a robot. So hopefully this helps other people, not just myself. Cheers!